Well, hey there, this is Kim Constable. Welcome to this week's episode of Strong and Sculpted, the podcast by me, Kim Constable, aka The Sculpted Vegan, about all things strong and all things sculpted. And I'm bringing you this episode from New York City this week. I'm actually away on a business trip. And to be honest, I didn't have time to record a podcast before I left. And I was just going to leave one for this week. And then my team and I were like, you know what? Let's not leave everybody hanging because I know that you guys are absolutely loving these episodes just as much as I am loving bringing them to you. So we decided to repurpose one of the Q&As that we did in one of my Facebook groups, which was absolutely epic. We do these Q&As every single week and we have thousands of members inside of our groups. And my favorite thing in the world to do is to be in the groups answering questions and delivering value in real time. So I promise you I will be back next week with some original content. But for now, I hope that you enjoy this episode and I hope you get a lot of value from it. And don't forget to leave me a comment and let me know what you would love to hear from me and let me know what you would love me to talk about in these podcast episodes. And also just leave a review and let me know if you are enjoying the podcast. We actually had over 40,000 downloads in our first month. And this podcast has shot up into the top 200 podcasts on all platforms across the world in the health and fitness genre, which is absolutely incredible given that we only released it last month. So that's because of you guys and all the interaction that you have been doing and all the comments you've been leaving and it's been, you know, absolutely phenomenal. You've no idea, you know, how emotional it makes me actually just knowing that you're loving the content and that you're getting a lot from it. And it really drives me on to keep, you know, being better and being bigger and delivering more value to you, which is the most important thing in the world to me. So speaking to you from under a duvet, believe it or not, in New York City in a hotel room, because Mark, my creative director, was like, get under the duvet to make the sound really good. So I hope that you're enjoying my lovely muffled voice under the duvet in New York City. And I hope that you enjoy this episode and I will be back next week with original content and I will catch up with you guys then. So enjoy the episode and I will speak to you soon. Bye for now. Hi Kim, is there an alternative to Vitargo? I get, I get breakouts from Vitargo and I want to know if there is something else that I can try in place of it. Thank you. So what is Vitargo? Vitargo is a high molecular weight carbohydrate that when it is taken into the stomach is passed very, very quickly through to the small intestine. And because the body doesn't have to do any work to break down the Vitargo, it is absorbed through the wall of the small intestine very quickly, absorbed into the bloodstream, converted into glycogen via the liver and pumped straight into the muscles, well, straight into storage. So Vitargo has very high, what's called high, it has high osmolality, okay? So high osmolality means that, do you remember osmosis when you were in school? I don't really know much about biology, have to be honest, didn't really pay attention, but I remember osmosis is like, you know, the transference of something through something, like the cell walls, I think it was, cell sunlight, cell walls, absorbing sunlight. Yeah, it's all coming back to me now. Anyway, high osmolality, the Vitargo. And so it's absorbed basically into the bloodstream. Then the liver turns it into glycogen and that then insulin is released from the pancreas and insulin comes hurtling through your body to store the Vitargo, right? So whenever you have been training very hard in the gym, your muscles are depleted of glycogen. Also, what happens whenever you've been training is you have these things called GLUT4 receptors. Some people call them GLUT4 receptors. Um, GLUT4 receptors on the surface of the muscle cell, and you also have GLUT4 receptors on the surface of the fat cell. Whenever you have been training really, really hard in the gym, your 
um, GLUT4 receptors are open on the surface of the muscles because your body has been transporting amino acids and blood and sugar and all of this, these chemical processes have been going on while you've been training in the gym to feed your muscles because your muscles are under strain, okay? So the GLUT4 receptors on the surface of your muscle cell are open because they have been receiving nutrients from your body. Your body's been breaking down fat cells into triglycerides in case your body needed more, more energy, transporting that through the, the blood and giving that to the muscle. So whenever you have finished training, if you have trained hard enough and you have trained to failure, your muscles will be depleted, depleted of glycogen. Not every single muscle in your body, but just the muscles that you have been training. So what happens is you have this window after you've been training, and it's usually about 30 minutes where you can pump, you can like get loads of glycogen back into your muscles really quickly and which is going to help with repair and growth. So that is what Vitargo is for. Whenever the GLUT4 receptors on the surface of the muscle cell are open, insulin doesn't have to open them. So insulin is a storage hormone released by your pancreas. Whenever something hits your stomach, your body signals to your pancreas to release insulin. Insulin is re released into the blood. It then picks up the nutrients, carries them to the tissues wherever they're supposed to go. Because the GLUT4 receptors on the surface of the muscle cell are open, your body does not need to manually open them because they're already open. So more of the glycogen will go into the muscles, which means that there will be less available in the blood to go into fat store. You see, your body doesn't care where it puts the nutrients. It just wants to lower the sugar in your blood as fast as possible. And because uh, Vitargo has a very high, it's a very high glycemic index carbohydrate, your body wants to store it ASAP, okay? So because the GLUT4 receptors are open on the surface of the muscle cell and the, the ones on the surface of the fat cell are a little slower to open, then your body will just pump as much of the glycogen into the muscles as it can to kind of stuff them full so that you know it can just lower the blood sugar. That's your body's main goal is to lower your blood sugar as quickly as possible. So that's why Vitargo is extremely helpful. Just wanted to give a wee rundown of Vitargo because we haven't talked about it for a long time, but I think it's really important to know or really useful to know the science behind why we take it. Because a lot of people in this program say that they choose not to take Vitargo and I always say you're absolutely mental if you don't take Vitargo. Like you're missing out on such massive muscle building opportunity because your body wants to repair your muscles the minute they have broken down. And if you give it protein and Vitargo directly after training, you're giving your body everything it needs to repair muscles. So you will grow bigger muscles and your recovery will be faster. Can you take something else instead of Vitargo? Some people have been known to take glucose powder after training, okay? Now, I also know people who take baby rice after training. You know, baby rice that you like, you know, it's, it's like powdered rice for babies. I've known people to take baby rice after training as well, but baby rice can be very expensive because anything with a picture of a baby on it automatically quadruples the price. Kind of like anything with a picture of a horse. I used to ride horses competitively. And if you slap a picture of a horse in something, you can charge quadruple the price. So baby rice is very expensive, even though Vitargo is also expensive. But an inexpensive substitute for Vitargo could be glucose, okay? So glucose powder. Now, is it as good as Vitargo? I don't believe so, because Vitargo is a patented um, product which is used by athletes, by Olympians, you know, by, by serious trainers 
and practitioners of any kind of sport the world over. Vitargo is really a very superior source of food for your muscles after training. It's also not pure sugar uh, the way that glucose is. Um, it's actually a carbohydrate, a pure powdered carbohydrate, which is slightly different. So could you take glucose instead of um, Vitargo? Yes, probably. Is it going to have the same effect? I don't know is the answer. I've never actually done a blind test or never tested the two side by side, but some people on the internet may have done that. So you could probably do a bit of research into studies that have been done. However, one thing I want to say is Vitargo has nothing added to it. It is simply a pure, highly refined carbohydrate. That's, you know, there's nothing else in it. So I've never, ever heard ever of Vitargo causing breakouts. Ever. I'm not saying that it isn't true for you, but and I'm not saying that it doesn't exist because I don't know it may exist, but I've never personally come across it and I can't see how it would affect your hormones because breakouts are caused by a hormonal imbalance in the body, usually, unless it's a rash, which can be caused by, you know, a digestive issue. So if you were allergic to carbo, if you were allergic to Vitargo, you may also find reactions with other carbohydrates. Um, and also, you know, but I would, I would suggest that possibly your breakouts may be to do with a hormonal issue and not maybe to do with the carbohydrate. So I would definitely do a little bit of investigation further. Another thing I would do is suggest that you go and see a kinesiologist and have, um, and bring the Vitargo with you, because if you bring the Vitargo with you and you hold it while they test you, they can tell you if you're intolerant to it or not. Um, but definitely dig a little deeper. I wouldn't want you to rule out Vitargo, um, just, in, you know, saying that it gives you breakouts if that isn't actually the case and it's something else that is giving you breakouts because to be honest, it is such an important part of building muscle. I would hate to see anybody not taking it. So definitely, I would suggest dig a little deeper to see, is it causing it? Dig a little deeper into hormones and estrogen dominance, especially if you're over the age of 40. I'm not sure if you are. Um, I'm actually, I've just written a whole PDF on hormones, the seven different hormones and how to balance them. It's actually a bonus we're giving away for the new program, but I may release it also as a PDF or rewrite it as a PDF in future. Definitely do a little bit of research though into the hormones and into estrogen specifically and its effect on the skin because it may not be the Vitargo, it may be something else. Um, and also do a little bit of research into glucose and Vitargo too. I'm working to failure properly, but my DOMS, delayed onset muscle soreness, are not that bad. Am I doing something wrong? I'm a yogi and quite stretchy and practicing yin quite a bit, so perhaps that is helping. My nutrition is good, so I guess that is helping with recovery. I'm drinking BCAA during workout, lots of good quality protein shakes, etc. Um, I'm in phase one, week three, by the way, but I've lifted a bit before, so not a complete newbie. Okay, great question, Janine. So my DOMs are not that bad. Am I doing something wrong? The thing about DOMs is that if you are truly, truly trailing, training to failure every single week and pushing way past your comfort zone, you should always, always, always have DOMS. Now, the varying degrees of DOMS are DOMS. Okay, hang on. Let me think what I want to say. The pain associated with delayed onset muscle soreness, commonly known as DOMS, actually changes depending on many different factors. Let me break it down a little bit more. So if you are doing the same training every single week that we are in this program, in each phase, their phases are very, very similar, okay? There's only a few exercises that change as you move through the phases. So you've lifted before, which is good, so your muscles are strong. If you are training, if you are doing the same training every single week, then the DOMS in your upper body probably won't be that bad. 
Okay. You may find like a little bit of a, you know, whenever I'm training, sometimes I'm like, Ooh, yeah, I can like feel my tricep or I'm like, Oh, or I do something. I stretch. And I'm like, Ooh, Ooh, lats, you know, or I'm like, Ooh, chest. So, but it's not, I don't wake up and I'm like, Oh, like, can't move my, like it's sort of move my arm. You know, I remember one year I was training in Australia and I decided I would like, have a couple of PT sessions while I was there. I think it was two years ago. And I, this PT got really excited that I was like a fitness model and like did, you know, competitions and stuff. And he did a shoulder workout with me one day and he had me doing these presses on the Smith. So we'd had to do like 10 wide grip, then 10 medium grip, then 10 close grip. And we did three sets of these, made it all these different types of shoulder exercises. And do you know, he absolutely and utterly destroyed my shoulders. Like I couldn't, I couldn't put my hair in a ponytail. I couldn't lift my arm to put my hair in a ponytail for honestly about a week afterwards. I was like this. Oh, 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 oh. I actually had to get Ryan to help me to put my hair in a ponytail. And I thought I, I was actually quite cross because I was, I was convinced that he had damaged me. I was like, he has damaged me. Like he had damaged me. Like I could have said no at any point to the training, but also I think he just got a little bit of over, a little bit overexcited and had me like training really, really hard. So, um, that kind of doms, like whenever you go from, you know, one kind of shoulder training to a completely different kind of shoulder training and completely annihilate your shoulders, the doms are going to be so bad that you can't put your hair in a ponytail. However, if you're doing the same kind of training every single week and all you're uh, trying to do is push your weight up and push your weight up and push your weight up, you will have doms, but they won't be that bad. However, you should be having doms in your legs every single week. And when I say doms in your legs, I mean, if you are training hard enough on your quad focused leg day, you should be not crippled, but in a lot of pain the next day. Every single week that I train with Mark Getty, I can't walk for two days afterwards. I, I find it hard to sit up. I have to do the two-handed toilet seat lower, you know, the, oh, 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 and you get down there and you're like, Ah, you sit there and then you think, oh no, I have to get back up and you have to do the rock, you know, the rock. <sighs> and then you're like, ah, and you have to, like, to rock yourself back up again. Like every single week, the two-handed toilet seat lower has to come out because my legs are so, so, so sore. Now, when I train myself in the gym, I don't have doms that are just quite as bad as the two-handed toilet seat lower, simply because I can't push just as hard without a spotter as I do whenever I have a spotter. Mark will always be able to push me harder than I can push myself simply because he's there to keep the momentum going to lift the rep. So how do you, you know, how do you make sure that you're progressing? Okay. You want to, you want to aim to feel doms every week. That's kind of what I really want to hit home here. That's the point I want to make. You should be aiming every single week for your body to be sore. That's your goal, right? So how do you make sure that this happens? Well, every single week, I always aim to progressively overload the muscle. The first way I aim to progressively overload the muscle is with more load. Load is king. Add more weight every single week. Now, you will reach a point in your journey where your weight will, the weights that you're lifting will plateau, especially on something like bench press or on, you know, shoulder press, military press, or even on some of your legs, like on your squats and stuff. You will reach a point where your weight plateaus. What I would do then is I would aim to, first of all, decrease my rest periods, okay? So if I had reached my top weight in a squat, say I was squatting 
80 kilos, okay, for example. So say my top set was 80 kilos and I was managing six reps at 80 kilos and I didn't have a spotter. Then I would stop at six reps, but next week I would aim to shorten my rest period. So I would start timing my rest periods and I would maybe take no rest between sets one and two because first set is a warm-up, second set is a warm-up. You don't need rest between first set and second set. You know, if I was warming up with a squat, my, my warm-up weight is 60 kilos for a squat, okay? So I'll chuck 60 kilos on the bar and I'll bang out 10 reps. Then I'll throw on two more plates and I'll bang out another 10 reps, right? So 60 weight is my start, is my first, um, 60 kilos is my first weight. 80 kilos is probably 70 kilos, maybe if I'm really warming up, is my second set. And then I start to get serious. So there's no rest between 60 kilos and 70 kilos. I just, the only rest is just throwing on the two plates and getting under that bar again. Then if I'm going from second to third set, say I'm going to 80 kilos in my third set, or but for me personally, I would probably go to 85 kilos. So I'll put on 85 kilos if I'm doing a free bar squat, which I never do, but if I was, that's what I would do. And so I will throw on two more plates and then I'll get under that bar again. Like I'm not like going, oh yeah, two to three minutes rest. You know, I'm not like timing two to three minutes rest. I'm chucking those plates on. I'm getting under that bar. Especially if you have a spotter who can put the weights on for you. Then you can just, you know, you can aim for maybe 30 seconds, maximum a minute rest, and then you go again. So that's the way you kind of want to think about it. And then between your third and your fourth set, mine would be say a hundred kilo free bar squat. I would put on another 15 kilos and then I would again, just get under that bar as quickly as I could. And I would go again. If you do that, you'll notice your muscles are sore the next week. So my, uh, and then if I, you know, I'm always looking then to push up more volume. Say I manage six reps at hundred kilos. Well, I'm always going to try for maybe seven or maybe eight. I'm always trying to push up the reps, but if you have a spotter, you'll always be able to go further. Now, if I can't push up my weights and I can't re reduce my rest periods anymore and I can't get in any more volume and I'm finding that my DOMS, if I was training myself and I didn't have a spotter, I'm finding that my DOMS are decreasing every week and I'm not really feeling it, I will switch up the exercises. So rather than do a hack squat, I will do a leg press. Rather than do a free bar squat, I'll do a Smith squat. Rather than do a Smith squat, I'll start with an incline hack squat and then do a pendulum squat. So this week, particularly, just to give you an example, I was training at a gym in Dublin. I had to take my son to a, a tournament in Dublin. I was training in Dublin and I... Um, I found a really great gym there and they didn't have any of my normal leg machines, which would be a V-bar squat and an incline squat or a pendulum squat. They didn't have any of those. So I asked them what they had. They said they had a leg press and a hack squat and a Smith. So I thought, okay, I will start with Smith squats, which I haven't done in a long time. So I did um, Smith squats. I got up to 100 kilos. I didn't have a spotter. So I only got six reps at 100 kilos, but I was happy with my six reps. I didn't want to do two more because I didn't want to get stuck at the bottom of the bar. And I really pushed hard in those last two reps. So then I thought, well, I'm not going to do a hack squat because I kind of do a similar exercise to a hack squat every week, but I'm going to do a leg press. I haven't done a leg press in over a year. So I thought, you know, get on the leg press machine and I managed to push out uh, 260 kilos uh, in my final set on the leg press. So I was very sore the next day, you know, and I did the rest of my, I did finish with lying leg curls. I'd started with leg extensions. I did my walking lunges, but I changed up my two compound exercises and I was really sore the next day. The reason for this is that you stimulate different muscle fibers when you change your compounds. They're, they all work the similar areas of the body. They're all working the quads and the glutes and the hamstrings and, you know, and, and the back and everything. They're working in over 200 muscles of the body. But when you switch up your compound exercises, then you stimulate different muscle fibers and you will feel DOMS. So you always want to keep in your mind that your goal is to feel DOMS. You want to feel DOMS every single week. And if you stop feeling DOMS, something has to change. You should 
should be feeling DOMS every week in your back. You should be feeling DOMS in your shoulders, in your triceps. And if you're not, then you need to increase your intensity. You either need to add more weight, you need to add more volume, you need to decrease your rest periods, or you can need to add in some drop sets. So say you're in your you know, your final exercise. You never want to add in drop sets, by the way, for a compound exercise, okay? If you're truly training to failure in your final set of like a deadlift, a squat, a lap pull down, something like that, you never want to add a drop set into a compound. It's completely, it's, it, you don't need to, it's useless, okay? It's just expending energy where you don't need to, to get a result that you could, that you would have got anyway. But you can add in drop sets in your single isolation exercises. What does this mean? So say you're doing triceps, okay? Triceps, um, if you're finishing off with tricep pushdowns, so say your last three exercises are tricep pushdowns, overhead tricep extensions, and again, like a rope pull down, okay? So a pushdown, pull down, overhead extension. I would superset those. So I would do one set of the pushdown, go straight into one set of the overhead, go back into one set of the pull down, rest, then do it again. So I would do one, two, three, then one, two, three, one, two, three. I don't always do this, but sometimes I do. Or sometimes I think, well, I'm going to do my last set as a drop set. So I go really, really high and I push, push. Maybe I only get six reps, drop the weight. Go again. Maybe I only get four to six reps, drop the weight. Go again. Maybe another four to six reps, drop the weight. Go again. You literally go till your arms can't move. And let me tell you, your triceps will be sore the next day. So although I give you the do this, do this, do this, do this in the program, it's really important not to just go, oh, she said 10 to 12 reps. So I'm going to stop at 10 reps. If your muscle can still move, keep going. You know, Think of creative ways to, to add more to your workout. So always think more weight, more volume, less rest. Or you could add in pause. So say in your squats, you know, although people say, you know, like add in pause squats and all this. I never do pause squats. I'll tell you why. Because if you can get 100 kilos on the bar and you can squat down and push it back up again, pausing at the bottom of the 100 kilos is only going to injure you potentially. It's not actually going to make your muscles grow. So if you're, you know, slightly injured or you're like totally missing a spotter and, you know, you think you could push in some more, adding a couple of pause squats, yeah, is it going to overload the muscle? Yeah, but... I always think that it's better to wait until the very final heavy sets and try and grind out a few more reps in your final set than to add in things like pause squats and more volume and all that kind of stuff. But you can definitely add in uh, supersets, tri-sets, drop sets, all of those things in your final isolation exercises just to overload the muscle a wee bit more. And that's where you will get more DOMS. So you should always, always, always be pushing for more DOMS. I just noticed Vanessa Burgess saying, I've never had lower back doms. Oh, Vanessa, if you've never had lower back doms, you ain't lived. Like I, whenever I deadlift, I get lower back doms like crazy. Whenever I do big, massive, heavy, wide grip T-bar rows, I'll get lower back doms. Uh, whenever I do heavy, heavy dumbbell deadlifts, you, you'll get lower back doms. It's, and sometimes people mistake it for pain. They're like, oh, I've hurt my lower back. You're like, you haven't hurt your lower back. You've got doms in your lower back. You've actually, you know, you've, you've worked the muscles there. So you need to know the difference. A lot of people think that they've hurt their back. They haven't hurt their back. Just, their backs are just muscularly sore. They just have doms there. So um, if you haven't had lower back doms, Vanessa, you're probably not working hard enough. Uh, you need to work a little bit harder or lift a little more weight. And that will probably give you lower back doms. So really, really great, really, really great question. Um, and I hope that that helps that whole like big breakdown. But definitely you should be aiming for doms every single week. If you're not getting doms in your body, you ain't working hard enough. Okay lift heavier people. Before I started training with Mark Getty, I used, I, I loved, I don't love training legs, but I've always been very, 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 
very persistent at training legs. I've never, ever, ever left legs out. You know, you see people, especially female bodybuilders, some of the bigger ones, they get these massive big arms, massive upper bodies, and they have crappy legs and crappy glutes. And that's just because they're, they're concentrating too hard on what is easy for them, which is their upper body. And they're missing out on what is hard, which is the lower body. So I've always been very committed to my leg training because I always wanted to have big legs. and I always wanted to have a big butt, right? So I was very committed to my leg training. So before I met Mark, I used to download uh, programs from the quad guy and from, you know, Jay Cutler, who was Mr. Olympia several times, bodybuilder. And I would have downloaded all of these big, you know, leg days. And, and, and I would have worked, you know, hard and heavy. And one day I was doing, or one, one time I was doing this quad program from this guy called the quad guy. I never do it, by the way. Um, and it was like six days of training quads. Six days. Six days quad training. I kid you not. Now, you hit different angles of the quads on the different days, but it was all these pause sets and supersets and all the different things. And I, like, it was completely unsustainable. And the exercises were taking me about 90 minutes to two hours to complete every day. So my gym session was taking me like two hours a day to complete. And uh, so I was very, very committed to quad day, right? And I would have done anything, anything at all to build big quads. And then one day I was, actually, I've seen that Emma's here. She just said, you, Emma's heard me tell this story so many times. So Emma's one of my best friends. And Emma's actually, a, uh, she's in this program. So she's a coach in the program here. And Emma is uh, also a posing coach. And she was coaching me for my posing before my first show last year in 2018. So Emma and I went away to London together. And I was, you know, stripping off as you do, you know, just, you know, before you stand on stage just to check your physique. And I was like, I just wish I could get bigger quads. And Emma, Emma was like, now Emma was also competing, but she wasn't competing for like another six weeks. Okay. So she was six weeks out from her first show in prep and she was being prepped by Mark and she'd been training with Mark for years. And Emma drops her pants, right? And she goes, you mean like these? Well, she didn't really say it like that, but that's kind of how I felt that she'd set up because I was so jealous at the time. So she drops her pants, right? And I was like, you know, like, have you ever seen, like, those one of those cartoon characters? And it's like, boing, 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 like, in their eyes, come like, boing, like, flying out of their heads. I was like, and, like, their jaw drops and their tongue hangs down. And I was like, where did you get those? Why do you have them? It's not fair. Like, because I've been busting my ass for two years, like, busting my ass. Like, the quad guy had me training two fucking hours a day on quads six days a week. And my quads look nothing like hers. But not only that, right? We're away for the weekend. So we're away in, in Miami Pro, okay? So I'm competing in Miami Pro. Emma's six weeks out from competition. She's stuffing her face. You know, she's eating. We're, we went to Tesco and I'm like, oh, I'm going to get some tofu and I'm going to get like some Evian. And Emma's gone. She's like throwing bagels and muffins into her, into her thing and like chocolate bars. And I'm like, I, but, you, but you're six weeks out from competition. And she's like drinking wine at dinner. And she goes, I, Mark just told me to take the weekend off and eat loads and drink wine, relax. And I'm like, hang on, I've been starving for the last like four months, okay? Overworked. Like having, like a carb has not passed my lips for like the last three months, four months, five months. I was like, how do you look like that? Have legs like that? And how are you eating all this stuff? And she was like, it's simple, Mark Getty. I was like, okay, I have to meet this Mark Getty whenever we get home, okay? 
I need to meet him. Take me to your leader. So anyway, she set up a meeting between Mark and I. And Mark was like, and I walked in and like Mark takes up half the gym. You know, he's like sitting there eating his porridge, whatever. You know, he's like as wide as he is tall. I was like, okay, this guy knows a thing or two about building muscle. Um, so I said to him, you know, do you have room? Can you take me on? I had another show in two weeks. And I said, like, I really just want big legs. He was like, yeah, sure, no problem. I'm like, yeah, come on along. Mark's like, social, like, yeah, come on along to training. Yeah, it's fine. Come on along. Yeah, we'll get your legs. No problem at all. And uh, so I started training with Mark. And, um, <laughs> and it was like nothing I'd ever done before. It was the hardest, easiest training I'd ever done, okay? Hardest because... There was nowhere to hide. Like Mark, I, I thought we were finished and Mark would like throw more weight on. And I'd be like, what are you doing? And he'd be like, you're not finished. What do you mean? I'm not finished. Like, like I just left my soul on the floor. He didn't. You got 10 more reps. Yeah, let's go. Oh. So anyway, the good thing about it was Mark only ever asked you to like completely destroy yourself once in each exercise. Okay. The final exercise, you were like, ah, you know, like grunting, swearing, vomiting, like sweating, like crying. And then once, once it was, once, once that was over, it was done. Right. There was, there was no more of that. And he was like, okay, next exercise. And you're like, <laughs> you're like following him through the gym, you know, like shoulders, like shoulders like slumped you know like crying like okay mark like a lamb to the slaughter just following him around the gym and uh, but then you know you do the next exercise because like, yeah, it's really easy i'd say to him this is really light and my first set and you go keep going and then we do the second set I'm like mark it's still really light and he'd be like princess keep going just shut up you're fine keep going and what i didn't realize was um you know i didn't realize at the time that really all you needed was this final failure set right this final final failure set that was it that's where the muscle grew you know that's truly that was the only thing you needed was just a hit failure and go beyond for the muscles to grow so we trained like this over the next year and my quads like doubled in size so I realized that there was something to this training that Mark was doing that I wasn't doing that was obviously very important that I did. So I really began to listen to him. So why am I telling you this really long story? So basically, the reason why we train quads the way we do in this program is that on day one, leg extensions on your first quad day, your quad focus day, your leg extensions are there to pre-exhaust and warm up the quads, right? Now, I'm not big into pre-exhausting. You know me, I'm not into pre-exhausting the glutes. I just think if you slap a big barbell on your back and get your ass to the grass, your glutes are going to be engaged. There's no need to engage them. I, I, yeah, pre-exhausting is a different thing. It's about engaging the glutes. I don't believe you have to act or activate. That's the word. I'm just going to activate my glutes. Now, I have to be honest. I did used to think when I started training that you had to activate the glutes. And then I realized it was bullshit because... Doing like, you know, seated clams or, you know, banded walks and all that kind of stuff. Mm -mm. Your glutes truly are not going to be any more activated than if you just slap a big barbell on your back and get your ass to the grass. If your glutes are not activated when you have a big barbell on your back and your ass is to the grass, then your glutes have packed up, gone on a permanent vacation and will never come home. Uh, because believe me, if you have glutes, they will be activated. So why add unnecessary, uncomfortable, banded crap into your exercises if it's not needed? I'm a big one for only doing what is needed. Anyway, I digress. So leg extensions are, are the first exercise on quad focus day because we want to pre-exhaust the quads. Why? Because then when you go into your first compound, your quads are not going to pick up all the work because they will be tired and your glutes will be forced to come into play. Your glutes are lazy bastards, okay? 
honestly, I'm, I'm just, I'm just being honest here. Many of us spend our lives sitting on our asses. Do you know what happens when you sit in your ass for too long? It gets lazy. Your body turns off your glutes, your glutes get lazy, and your lower back and your quads end up doing all of the work. So what happens when people first start to train is, especially if they're new to training, their quads do most of the work and their lower back picks up the rest of the slack. Why? Because their glutes are asleep. Their glutes are like lying back smoking a cigarette and like you know, and sipping a margarita while you're like grunting and struggling under a squat bar, your glutes are like, yeah, don't need us here. We're fine. We're still on holiday, girl. She's not lifting heavy enough for us really to come into play. So we'll just chill out here until like the real work begins. So by pre-exhausting your quads on the leg extension machine, you you say to the glutes, okay, guys, like we're tired and we just can't carry you for any, for like the, this whole way through this session. So you're just going to have to come into play. So once you get onto that squat rack, your glutes then have to pick up some of the work and they have, they have to actually come into play. So you're working more of your lower body in the squat and everybody who wants a bigger booty has to squat, right? That's why we do leg extensions. Should you go heavy on your leg extensions? Is the grass green? Is the Pope Catholic? Is, is something else very, very sure of itself? seriously guys I, I trained with I trained with a friend recently right and we were doing leg extensions she started off and she was like do 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 in her first set and I whacked the weight up for the second set she was like no it's too heavy I was like no it's not and so she did do 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 so I whacked the weight up for the third set and she went and uh, so she did another set then I like whacked it right up for her final set and I was training as well and she was like oh no no I don't, I don't want to do that wait and I said why not and she went because I don't want to tire out my quads and I was like is that not the whole point of doing leg extensions? Is that not the whole point of training is that you go to failure and you try and tire things out? And she was like, no, but I always thought that I should like conserve a little bit of energy. I was like, why on earth would you want to conserve energy in the gym? She said, well, because, you know, then if I, if I tire out my quads, then they'll be too tired to do my squats. And I was like, so what are you going to do? Hold back in your squats in case you're too tired to do your next exercise and then hold back in that in case you're too tired to do your next exercise? No, it's bullshit. If you can lift the full stack on your on your leg extensions, you lift the full stack, baby. You never hold back. I know I've said 15 reps in that, but that's only because you really want to push hard. And like, as you get stronger, you can do 15 reps full stack, okay? Like I do full stack leg extensions and I just can't keep going, you know, I just can't keep going in very, you know, indefinitely. You know, I, I do 12 to 15 reps on my final set, but you know, a full stack, full stack is still heavy. So you still want to go really, really heavy and do the 15 reps. The reason why we add the quads, the leg extensions into the second leg day, which should always be glutes and hamstrings. So if you're training legs really well and you have a weekly program you're following, your first day should be quad focused, but you always put in a little bit of glutes and hamstrings at the end. So the whole lower body is being worked. Your second day should be hamstring and glute focused, but you always throw in a little bit of quad at the end of the day just to make sure your whole body has worked. Because another form of progressive overload is training the body part more often. So if you only do leg extensions once a week, then your quads are only getting stimulated in that way once a week. If you add in leg extensions again for a second time in the week, then it's a form of progressive overload. Your quads are getting stimulated again. So the reason why we add leg extensions in on glute and hamstring day is just to stimulate the quads again. The reason why I've put in 20 reps is because you want to burn out the quads. The quads are already tired, okay? It hasn't been a quad focus day, but the quads are still tired from the exercise that's been done. They're, they're, they have been secondary muscles, not primary muscles, but they are, they do still have, they have still worked a little bit. 
So you want to do 20 reps just to burn out the muscle. But do you want to go heavy? Yes. But go as heavy as you possibly can with 20 reps. Now, if you go so heavy in the final set that you can only reach like 12 to 15 reps, is that okay? Absolutely. But you want to, what you want to be doing is pushing for those 20 reps. And if you're like, you know what, Kim, you're a sadist and I ain't doing 20 reps in the final set. Well, then just be like, okay, it's fine. I don't care. Like do 12 reps if you want. Just make sure that your final set of leg extensions on the final day is to failure. But the reason why they're in there isn't really as a muscle building exercise. It's more of a finisher exercise. So that's why we put them in at the end of glute and hamstring day as a finisher exercise. But see, if you don't want to do the 20 reps, don't do the 20 reps, do 12 reps, but just make sure that load is king. You're going to failure. You're doing big, 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 heavy leg extensions. And But to be honest, if you have a hell of a lot of energy left at the end of your exercise day on your, one of your leg days, then you're probably aren't working hard enough. Um, I'm destroyed by the time I get to my final exercise, but completely up to you. When doing bench press, incline or flat, and you feel like you can't go any higher on the weight, what would you suggest? To stay at the same weight or do drop sets to burn more? So this is a good question, but I did answer it earlier a little bit in one of the uh, other Q&As. So you never want to do a drop set with a compound exercise, okay? Not that you never want to do a drop set with a compound exercise, but if you're using a barbell, right, and you're doing a bench press with a barbell, it's not really a drop set because you have to set the bar down, stand up, move the, take the weight off, replace it with a new one, take the weight off, replace it with a new one, get back under, set up again, and go again, right? A drop set is if you can quickly move between drops. So that's why you would, if you're using a pin machine. So if you're on a machine, say, such as a tricep press down, and you can go, you know, six reps, move the pin, six reps, move the pin, six reps, move the pin. You know, if you want to keep the momentum going for a drop set. You don't want to ever have to, you know, set it down, especially with dumbbells, you have to set them down, stand up, pick up more dumbbells, set back down, go again. There's no point. What I would always push for in um, bench presses and dumbbell bench presses or, you know, incline or flat is more load. If you really can't add any more load, and I bet you, you could add even a pound each side. Like a pound is not a lot, right? Some people think that they have to add like five pounds or five kilos or 10 pounds each side. You really don't. Like for bench presses and those kinds of things, sometimes you can go up in tiny little incremental amounts, which is going to make a big difference. If you can't go up and wait and you really have plateaued, try and add in more reps to your final set and then try to add in shorter rest periods. And you will find that if you consistently add in some more reps, it may only be one to two reps, but if you consistently add in more reps and you consistently shorten your rest periods, you will find that you can push more weight. But there will be a point where you reach your top weight in bench presses and that's okay. My top weight in a bench press is 50 kilos. Now I can do 50 kilos by myself for 10 reps. I struggle on the last two. I probably need that. 50 kilos is 110 pounds. So I probably need a spotter just for the last two, just to make sure that I'm not going to drop the bar on me. But a year ago, I could only do 50 kilos for unaided for two reps and I needed a spotter for the final four. And I, and even those two, I wouldn't have been happy doing 50 kilos for two reps without a spotter because I needed someone there to feel safe. Whereas now for 50 kilos, I can just unrack the bar and just bump, just like wrap it out. I don't need a spotter there. So 
I'm still doing my top weight, which a year ago was 50 kilos. But a year ago, I was doing 50 kilos, six reps with a spotter. Now I'm doing 10 reps by myself. Now I'm not pushing for 55 kilos or 60 kilos. Now, if Mark was with me and we were doing bench presses, he probably would slap another, you know, five each side. And we probably would go up to 60 kilos and he would spot me. But I'm still getting, you know, my body is still struggling like crazy at 50 kilos, but I've added, managed to add more weight, sorry, add more volume, more volume, more volume, more volume. Now that, that volume has been like one rep per month. In fact, it hasn't because I was doing bench press. I'm trying to think it was 18 months ago. So it's been half a rep per month. That's how much I have progressed in bench presses at 50 kilos, half a rep per month, right? But it's still progress. Progress is still progress. So just progress in whatever way you can, but know that in things like military presses, bench presses, those kinds of things, your body will plateau at some point. And all you can do is just keep pushing hard, pushing hard, pushing hard, trying to add just a tiny little amount of weight or a tiny, you know, a little bit of extra volume or whatever. But just as, as women, you know, we're never going to have these massive, big chest muscles. You know, my husband bench presses 90, 100 kilos. I bench press 50, but yet we squat the same. We actually shoulder press the same as well. So even though my shoulders are smaller, I have big, strong shoulders and I have a really strong back. We, we On our back day, my husband and I will, will pull, in fact, I pull more than him in a lap pull down. So I will pull just as heavy weights as him on a back day, but he will always, always outweight me on, on chest day, always. Um, bicep day, he will outweigh me on, bi- outweight me on bicep day too. But on shoulder day and back day and leg day, I actually outweight him in, in squats, or not in squats, in like leg extensions and leg curls and glute bridges. Like there's, I glute bridge heavier than Mark. Mark can't glute bridge, but I can glute bridge. So, you know, women are never going to have big chest muscles. Um, and that's always an area where you're going to struggle and you're going to plateau very quickly. And that's okay. Just keep pushing. Just keep pushing, pushing, pushing. I'm trying to get everything together. I'm working out from home. Okay. I have barbells and dumbbells, but would like to know how to do a chest pull with the bar, then with a rope without the equipment. Are there two other moves that would be just as good? Okay, a chest pull. So there are no chest pulls in the program. There are lat pull downs. And there are no chest pulls with a rope. So I'm not sure what you mean. Maybe the only rope exercises we do in the program are front raises with a rope, which work the shoulder, or tricep press downs with a rope. So I'm not sure exactly what you mean. Um, but I will tell you, I'm assuming that when you say a chest pull down, you mean a lat pull down. It probably feels like a chest because you're leaning back and you're pushing the chest forward. So, but those are for the, the pull down is for your lats. Okay. These big, your wings. So these things that you can spread on the back, you know, on the back, those are your lats, right? So a lat pull down, I mean, any exercise. So what would be a good substitute for a lat pull down? Well, anything that works the lats, basically. The first thing I'm going to tell you to do is go to Google, right? And write in home substitution for lat pull down, okay? Google is your best friend. And anything that Auntie Google tells you is an okay substitution is an okay substitution. So that's the first thing I would do, right? What would be my personal recommendations? Anything that works the lat hard, hard that works the lats hard. So I would substitute with a heavy barbell row. Um, again, a lot of people I see, I see people just not rowing heavy enough with barbells. My top set for a barbell row would be um, probably 80 to 90 kilos, which is 
multiplied by 2.2, 160, 170, 180 pounds. So that's my top set in a barbell row. So if you're doing a barbell row with a 20 pound bar, you ain't lifting heavy enough, right? I'm not saying that you should be doing it as heavy as me, but just to give you some perspective, your barbell row should be heavy in your final set. So just all your exercises should be heavy. So a barbell row where you're bending over and you're rowing, Okay, really good lat exercise. That'll be the first one. Second one I would substitute with would be, um, if you had to use a dumbbell, a one-arm dumbbell row. So you have a hand, your hand on the bench, you're holding the dumbbell down here, wearing your cobra grip, so you give you some grip, and you're rowing back and up, okay? So you're really pushing and squeezing into the lat. That would be the second one I'd substitute with. Um, third one for the lats, a pull-up. But pull-ups are hard, you know? You might want to, don't know whether you have a pull-up bar or not, but if you had a pull-up bar and you did a wide grip, Pull up. So again, because you're pulling up, it's exactly the same exercise um, as the barbell row. In fact, a pull up would be best, but you would need to have a band. You know, it was a wide grip pull up. It was really hard. You would need to have a band wrapped around your foot and wrapped around the bar to give you a little bit of spring. So those would be my three go-tos for um, for barbell, for lap pulldowns. But I'm not sure what the chest pulldown with the rope is, to be honest. Um Maybe you can clarify that for me. And if you clarify that in the, if you watch this and you clarify that in the comments, then I will go in and uh, definitely question for you. Just tell me what day it's on or even just look up what exercise it is. And I can ask that answer. Oh, I can just hear a collective snigger from all the old members watching this here. You know who you are because I always talk about how it is. I'm going to break. I'm just going to, I'm just going to, just, I'm, you know what? I'm just going to rip the bandaid off. Are you ready? Okay. It is impossible, impossible to confuse your body. <laughs> you can't confuse your body, right? Your body is the most sophisticated organism that ever existed on the planet, right? You are not smarter than your body, right? And your body does not become confused. Your mind becomes confused when reality does not match your perception, right? That's what confusion is. Oh, I believed one thing to be one way and now I'm getting data that's another way. The reality does not match my data and that's what causes confusion, okay? That's, that's what confusion is. Your body does not have an expectation, okay? So your body does not have a perception of reality that it is trying to adhere to um, that will then become disrupted if you change. Your body just goes, do, 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 do. okay, you know, reacting to the changes, reacting to the changes, reacting to the changes. Okay, another change, reacting to the changes, reacting to the changes, reacting to the changes. There's no confusion, okay? So your body's not like, oh my God, what is she doing now? Like, I'm totally confused. I just don't know what to do. Like, I don't know how to cope with this. I'm, that's it, I'm going on strike. Your body's like, I'm, I'm already here. She keeps changing this shit up and I'm like totally confused and I'm upset and I, I just, I can't, I can't live here anymore. I'm off. <laughs> That's what I imagine your body doing. Maybe people here are like, I don't want to confuse my body or, or <laughs> I, I switch up my exercises in the gym so I can confuse my muscles. <laughs> like, Really? You, you can confuse your muscles? Explain to me how that works. Well, you know, well, my muscles were, were, were very set on it being one way. And then, I, and then I changed my exercise and then they were confused. <laughs> they were. Did you, did you have a conversation with your muscles? Did you like, did they tell you that they were confused? Did you like sit down and have a conversation about it? Like a real, you know, heart to heart about the confusion you were causing your muscles? <laughs> People are like, can you, can you not confuse your muscles? Your muscles go, 
Training stimulus, adaptation. Different training stimulus, adaptation. Different training stimulus, adaptation. <laughs> There's no confusing, right? Confusion confusion um, presupposes perception, okay? When there's no perception, i.e. I need the world to be a certain way and then I get data that it's not and then I'm pissed off, right? That's confusion. Uh, so that doesn't happen with the body. So first of all, your body isn't going to be confused. Uh, you may be confused as to, you know, as to I was doing, you know, I was doing something, you know, a certain way and I got into like a little, you know, I got into a way of being and it wasn't very comfortable, but, you know, I came to accept it and it was fine. And now I have this whole other data set over here and now I have to try and adapt to this whole other data set. And the whole thing is very overwhelming and I'm feeling very confused and upset and I really don't know what to expect. And I just want Kim to, you know, blow a raspberry on my belly and powder my butt and, and make it all better. Um, and I would love to be able to do that for you. And like, listen, you'll, you'll get to know me very well. I, everything is said with love and in a little bit of a jest. Um, and I totally understand why you would think that your body is going to be confused, but it's not, okay? There's no confusing your body. You were carb cycling. I don't know if you were getting results from your carb cycling. Um, will your results be different if you switch to the way we teach from carb cycling? Possibly. But if your goal is fat loss and you follow all the advice and the guidance and the guidelines that we give you for fat loss, which is do loads and loads and loads of cardio, okay? Just like literally bust your ass every day doing cardio, lift really, really, really heavy in the gym and, you know, eat in a calorie deficit, there will be no confusion. Your body will continue to lose body fat. All carb cycling does is it puts you in a calorie deficit, okay? puts you in a calorie deficit and basically doesn't give the body as much glycogen that could potentially be stored as body fat. And that's, that's all carb cycling does. So you don't need to worry about, you know, confusing your body. You don't need to worry about, you know, any other, one of my kids has just come in and they're now like trying to close the door and like clunking it really loudly. Um, you don't need to worry about any like drastic changes, you know, um, you're not going to like have growths or anything in your body. <laughs> Sorry, I'm being facetious. I don't mean to be. I just love doing these. I always like get a real laugh out of them, but you don't need to worry about anything like that. You just, uh, your you carb cycling puts you into a calorie deficit and it's, and it, it stops your blood sugar from rising too rapidly. It stops insulin from being um, released into the body in the lower carb days, which means that your body will access its secondary energy source, which is fat store. And it will use fat stores as energy. And then on the higher carb days, your body will use the um, carbohydrates available as energy and it won't access as much as fat store. But the thing about carb cycling, although it can be useful, is that it really just puts you in a calorie deficit. That's all carb cycling does. It just, on some days you eat less calories and other days you eat more calories. So over a seven day period, your calor caloric intake is less, which means that you burn more body fat. Uh, but if you choose a 20 to 25% deficit, you do cardio up to seven days a week. And I don't mean like sweating, like doing these weird, like flingy things and like squat jumps. I mean, just like go for a big walk with your dog um, and don't let him stop to pee a lot. Just keep him moving or, you know, walk on a treadmill or get on a Stairmaster or go to a hit class or do something that you enjoy. Do Zumba or horse riding or something that gets your heart rate up, okay? So do loads of cardio, eat in a calorie deficit, lift till you leave your soul on the floor in the gym and hey presto, your results will continue and your body will continue to burn fat and you'll have a long-term sustainable plan which will give you the results that you want. Ta-da! So that is the end of Q&A Tuesday. Um, sorry, I kind of went off on a wee bit of a wee bit of a tangent there. It was quite funny. I just, oh, here, listen, I just love these questions. I really do. And I love just breaking down all the myths about like confusing your body. <laughs> and, you know, and all of this stuff, all of these things that I hear about activating the glutes, 
very important to activate the glutes. And I'm like, well, I have a really big butt and I haven't activated my glutes once in three years. But if you want to activate yours, you go on ahead. If it, if it floats your boat and you enjoy it and it brings you, brings you joy, then I, who, am I, who am I to stop you? There's more than one ways, more than one ways, more than one way to build great glutes. I just prefer to take the shortest, fastest option because I'm a busy girl and I ain't got a lot of time to waste. But understand there's a lot of people who don't like to train the way I train and they like to do longer, more prolonged training with loads of different variations and exercises. Those people generally don't get results very quickly, but that's fine. No problem at all. They're maybe happy to take the longer road. I'm like body goal over here. Here is the shortcut. Here is the long way around. I'm going over here. Even though there's a mountain in the middle, I will traverse it rather than take the low road, which is a lot longer. And that's why these programs work. So that's what I'm trying to teach you guys. And that's the way everything is. That's why it's all set up the way it is. Okay, I'm going to go. Um, love you all so much. See you next week. <laughs>